Hello and welcome to the uplevelmind.com podcast. My name is Drasco and I'm your host for this Real Talk segment where each episode I bring on a heart-centered entrepreneur and live on the call coached him through one central question. Are my business problems actually me problems? In that, I help them uncover why despite knowing all of the business strategies and having done all of the business courses, they are unable to get past their current revenue plateau. Each guest leaves with a deeper understanding of what inner narratives and patterns they need to overcome to realize their next revenue milestone. Without further ado, here's today's guest. Today's guest is Dana Shergill, who's a kinky sexual wellness instructor who believes in the importance of kinky sexual wellness and promoting her hashtag AIA, which stands for aggression, imagination, and attention. So Dana, thank you very much for being on. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You're very welcome. Uh, I'm excited to dive into this. Uh, I don't really have a lot of people in your space that uh, end up doing this. So when it does happen, I'm excited about it. So uh, yeah, I'd love for you to just break down for us. Like, how did you get to doing what you're doing? And like, what is it that you're all about? So yeah, um, well, really, I think when it comes to sex, it's been like really a lifelong journey. Um, but starting when I was small growing up, I had a lot of anger um, and all this aggression and nowhere to put it because uh, by the time I was 18, my parents, like I lost contact with my dad and I had transferred like 11 cities or and transferred 11 times in school. And I was just so agitated all the time. And then when I stumbled into BDSM and kink, it gave me an opportunity to put this aggression into an actual place. And I found that there's a lot of healing that can be found within kinky sexual wellness. And so I went back to school to become, to open a kinky sexual wellness retreat, actually. And my business plan, it won out of the program for the business summit. So I really just use that as motivation that people were ready for kinky sexual wellness. And I have been working with a sex therapist for about six years. So I work on more like I view sex from such a, where is these desires coming from? Why do you want to explore these desires? So I've been working on it ever since. And I've created the BDSM basics through all this. And I do believe that BDSM and kink are healthy outlets for aggression, imagination, and attention, which all adults need. Love it. And, and especially love it. Cause it's like, like, obviously I'm like, just sharing my, interpretation of it from like the outside but like the level of distortion i can assume around what you do and like what it is and what it isn't and like how people only see one aspect of it but totally don't even realize like the healing that can go into it and what can be expressed through the body or through like facilitating yeah. certain experiences i think is so under under like misunderstood and like less people actually understand the benefit of it and all you see is like either the demonizing of it or like the suppressed viewing of it on you know like porn sites or, or, or whatever so yeah I mean I'd love for you to just comment into that well yeah exactly so for instance imagination is one of them and so people use their imagination all the time but it's mostly for thinking of the worst case scenario of what could possibly happen with your day instead of what's the best case scenario 
But imagination is also what we need to bridge the cells between those parts of us that we don't show the outside world. There's always two versions of us. We have the version that we put out and then we have this deeply intimate version of ourselves of like that I would never do that or I'm not actually into that. But the thing is our souls really do want to experience all and everything like the beautiful and the grotesque. So unless you use your imagination and find an outlet, which, you know, I obviously work with kinky sexual wellness, you won't be able to bridge those and you're not going to be able to heal completely until you meet those other sides of yourself. Absolutely. It's like the the, the full spectrum of life needs to be yes. embraced, right? The, the, the light and the dark and then, you know, whatever you define is, is going into either because I think a lot of what you're describing is actually very like light worker ish. Right. So yes. like, I, I totally yes. get it. So yeah, I love that message. I love what you're about. So why don't we just dive into it then? Like what are the top problems that you are facing right now? So the top problems within my business of getting it moving, I would say is I feel like I'm bottlenecked right now, actually. Like there's so many things that I need to go up. I'm trying to become this social media queen and use the platforms. But to tell you the truth, I myself don't really use social media all that much. Uh, I've been off those platforms for a couple of years. So coming on and just doing this business, it's been a roller coaster. Because I do understand that people are only going to see kind of one side of me. And that has I'm working through it as I go, but sometimes in the back of my neck, like head, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not only this, like there's so many other versions of me as well. So <laughs> that's been interesting to work with. Got it. So like, there's a lot of self-awareness in that answer. Like, obviously, okay, there's just one part that like I'm bringing to it because I'm being put in front of these larger audiences. I can't control who's in the room. Everybody's going to have their own perceptions of it. So you know, it's opening up this whole other level of, of visibility bit. Then there's also the business side, which will have its own strategic elements or strategic solutions. And you're kind of in the middle of it. So what exactly is the problem that you're facing? Well, actually, my husband is from India, and I think it's more or less like I don't mind working in the Western countries or Canada, like where I'm from. That doesn't bother me. But there's a lot of people that I see that are viewing from a culture that just doesn't necessarily understand what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to explain it, but it's also a clash of the cultures of what is right and what's not right. And we feel that blowback back on us. And so it's just kind of a personal, particular situation. But um, yeah, it's, that's also been interesting. Just trying to work that through. I don't know. <laughs> Got it. And just so that I'm clear. So you're saying like there's a part of your business that's international because your husband is from India. So like there's a focus on like the Indian market and then all of the well, cultural I differences think it's that come just, there. Yeah, sorry. There is an Indian market because I do believe when I speak to people that are from India here in Toronto, they are all they really want to know about it. They want to educate themselves. They're very receptive of it. But I think it's just more personal, like is more like what his family might say or what they're currently saying. I think that that kind of gets under my skin more than it should, even though I know that it's a cultural thing. But sometimes it's just like you want to talk to them, but they don't want to listen to what the explanation is. But I don't know. Got it. So there's an aspect of so like his family might not approve or understand all the things that you're doing 
And then if you guys do go online, then there's obviously a higher risk of exposure of what you do. So then what's the clash between all those things? Well, I kind of hope that when I go more on social that I can explain more what it is, if they can listen to it um, versus, but the problem is like, I do have a podcast and it's just feels like I just have to let it go. If they want to research it or look into it, they can, like, I can't, I'm not going to force them to be like, you should listen to this yourself. Um, you know, this might actually help you. So maybe one day they'll come around and they'll listen to it. Got it. Okay. So there's always going to be one aspect that like is a circumstance you have to navigate, which obviously is going to be other people, but that part you don't directly control, right? So the part you do control is obviously your response to it and, and your thoughts around it and all of your, you know, limiting beliefs around it. So we can certainly dive into that. Um, as far as looking at the same question of like, okay, what are the top problems you're facing right now? If you looked at it from, let's just say a leadership perspective of how I'm showing up or or patterns that I see uh, in my day-to-day, like what, what stands out for you from those perspectives? Um, problems for my day-to-day. Um, I'm trying to focus more on what's actually important and prioritizing it because right now it all seems very important to me and I want to do it all. And I think that's where the stress is coming in. Cause I, sometimes when I have a bunch of half projects that aren't done, it, that frustrates me because I'm very much like, I want to cross them off, but if I have too many projects that are open and pending that, that sometimes, can, <laughs> that sometimes gets creeps up on me and I'm like frustrated or anxious about it as well. Got it. And uh, what's the dominant feeling there? Like, is it overwhelm? Is it something else? Like, what's what's your experience of that? Uh, I think I think it boils down to I get frustrated. Like, oh, I just want this all done, like right now. But there's only so many hours in the day, so I. And so I, I don't know, I, I feel like I need to also look at my schedule because if something goes wrong, I don't really put too much leeway into it now that I'm saying it out loud. I don't think I put enough time in between just in case there's a buffer in case it didn't go out necessarily as planned as timed. And so I feel those time crunches like moving throughout the day or the week or something like that. Okay. So just to make sure that I understand that correctly. So the frustrating part isn't necessarily that things aren't getting done. Like I know you want them to be done and you want to be able to check them off, but it's more like, I guess how they're dispersed or diluted throughout your day. That's the issue. Would that be accurate or no? Yeah, I guess so. I think. And if I, um, if there's just pending, like I feel like pending projects bother me, but it just comes with the territory, I guess. But um, I feel the weight when there's too many open projects and then I just try to keep swimming so I don't drown in them, but it can be difficult. And then I don't get sad. I just get frustrated. I just go instantly to frustration. Got it. Okay. So if we just kind of like rewind and look at everything that you've mentioned so far. So there's this kind of productivity and task focus of, okay, like I'm, I'm building this business. It's not just simple tasks that are all going to be done in one day, that they're ongoing. 
They require other people. They require, you know, thinking time to actually execute that maybe iteration time. So just like, you know, it's like the nature of the beast that you're in. So that that's one aspect. Then there is this uh, visibility aspect as far as both social media and the blowback. And there is this sentiment of being in a bottleneck. Okay. So given all of those, what do you think is most relevant to dive into right now? Uh, the bottlenecking. Cause if I can just get, so I guess, yeah. Cause if I can just get some of those done or get that feeling done, I think everything else will fall into play a little bit easier for me. Okay. So define the, the bottlenecking a bit more. Like, is it bottleneck in terms of, again, output? Is it bottlenecking in terms Yeah, so of- output for social media is, I think that's where my weakness is right now. A lot of my business is dependent on social media uh, right now and a lot of online things like podcasts. And so I guess I'm trying to learn how to box my time in better uh, instead of doing some content like a little at a time maybe I should try to expand it and just like get like all one day dedicated to one thing and then move from there Um, okay I'm not sure (laughs) I mean I'm not sure either so I'm just trying to okay so is it I can't output as much as I would like like is that what yeah. Like if you boil it down, I guess to the I'm issue. not focused enough to get things done. I get keeping the time frames and the schedule. Like I try to use a day planner, but sometimes my I try to use a day planner to keep me on track. So um I guess it would just be more disciplined towards my day planner to focus better. Okay. And what would be if you were focused and disciplined, what would be the outcome of that? It would be to take off some of the social media stuff so I can just move to other avenues. I think I put so much stress on if I don't have it timed out. So I use things like later and to plan out my social media. And so, for instance, if it runs out of the week when I plan, it, I'm like, oh, that's good. But then I feel like sometimes I just I'm like, oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to the social media. I'll get back to the social media. I'll get back to it. And then the end of the week kind of comes by and I didn't do it. And so it's like, oh no, I get stressed again. So I'm doing it to myself, but I just feel like it's not my favorite thing to do, but I just have to get over it, <laughs> I guess. Got it. And uh, what, like, why are you doing the social media? I think it's one of the fastest ways to get this message uh, around as of right now in the position that I'm currently in. So I work, so my husband is a, music video director and he owns his own company. So I'm learning a lot through social media, through them and just through everybody just around me when I talk to them and the importance of it. And I, I feel like I'm seeing people be rewarded through social media. One of my best friends got on New York post for her reels. It got something like 4 million. And I'm just like, wow, okay. If you can do it, I should be able to do it. I have other friends that are, their reels are taking off for their businesses. And I'm just like, okay, I have to get excited about doing this because they're doing it. It's working for them. So okay. I want to do it too, I guess. So if you got 4 million views on a reel, then fill in the blank. I would hope that my CTA would be strong enough to bring one of them over to purchase the e-learning video. 
So right now I have, or so, so far what I've been doing my CTAs to is either the e-learning or I've been doing it towards the podcast that I do twice a week. So really it's not like, it's either, either, or I would like some form of engagement to come from it, not necessarily just the views, but I would like some sort of engagement coming from those views. Okay. And if you got a reel that got 40 views, but it sold one of your courses, would that True. be a bigger success than the 4 million one? Yes. Yes. Actually. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's a good one. Yes. Okay. I'll change the numbers around. Yes. View so, it differently. That's good. Yeah. Cause like it, it comes down to like, Right now, your brain's defaulting. I just got to do more. I got to do more reels. I got to do more output. I, I got to figure mm -hmm. out how to like more, more, more. I got to get more views, more followers, more, right? Which, okay, fine, makes sense. But the reason I'm asking these questions is like, okay, well, is that actually getting you closer to what it is that you want? And it sounds to me like what you want is sales. You don't necessarily want popularity. No, yeah, I want sales. No, I feel like I'm just adding stress that doesn't need to be there either. A little bit, I guess. Okay, so tell me that's more a about very that. valid point. Like, what, what do you mean when you say you're adding stress that doesn't need to be there? Because it, you're right. It doesn't matter if it's 4 million. If I had 40 views that were really good and I made a sale, that would make me just as, that would make me more happier actually than 40. Like, it wouldn't matter about the views if I don't make any sales. So. Right. So the reason that I asked that now and, and clarity on that is important because now you can really look at everything that you're doing and ask yourself, like, is this getting me closer to a sale? Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. So what what's coming up for you there? I think even just saying, is this worth the sale is just actually taking stress away and looking at it and being like, is the content of which I'm putting out the, because the messages that I put in my reels, I, I really do think about them and I write them out and I try to make them sound well I don't just go on the camera like I try to think about what I'm going to say when I make the reels so just kind of listen to myself and say you know what if the content's good hopefully you get a sale the energy's going into the sale but it's not so much about how fast it goes out it will go with time because I can't get sales from lower viewers if the views are making sense to the demographic of what I'm going for. Right. So I guess then the flip side of it is, would you continue to make content for the next five years, regardless of sales? Yeah, because I, I do believe in the message as well, as much as this is about sales, I do a lot of this work because I do really do believe in the healthy outlets for these for adults. And I think that's why I started this business is because originally it was just to say that. And now it's actually like, oh, I can, you know, if you know the basics, this type of stuff can become easier. So I do want this information to get to as many people as it can. And I think okay. that might yeah, sorry. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say it might be a reason why I was focusing too much on the the views because I just want people to hear this. <laughs> so, okay. So then, what I would throw back your way, right, is if the message is important and you're willing to do it for the next five years, then can content creation be an expression of that message, which, while related might have nothing to do with you actually making sales off of that content for the next five years. 
like what lands for you there yeah like just would i continue doing it for five years regardless of sales yeah like if this message is important and i'm willing to do it for the next five years can content creation simply be about spreading that message and yeah putting in the work to build and trickle in a like a growing audience over time and i'm willing to do that for the next five years yes yes so i think you're very much putting in perspective of just i think it's also impatience that's coming up that i have and i think that might be where this frustration is because it is it's a long-term game and just like even putting it into that perspective it's like yes i would be willing to do this in five years I will be willing to do this continuously. So yeah, it just comes into just getting the message more or less and using it just to get the message as a cross as Correct. expression. Because it's like, it sounds like you you want a massive tree without taking the time to build a massive trunk. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, some patience. Yes, I yeah. would say that. <laughs> right. And, and it's important to have that distinction. This is the reason why I'm asking is like, if you really feel that strongly about the message, then when you're sitting down to write your content, like that, that, that becomes your why. Yeah. Right. You can eliminate the pressure of needing to make the sale from a reel because it's extremely unlikely because mm -hmm. the sales will come from the cumulative effect you have of building a brand, which is not going to be an overnight thing. Right. And it allows you then to separate like, okay, I, I also need to eat. So I need sales, but your sales activities might actually look different than your brand building activities. There will be overlap on them over time. And that overlap will probably get closer and closer in five years worth of consistent effort. But right now they might actually be two separate things. Mm. So yeah. what, what lands for you there? That I think I was trying to merge a little bit too much of them right now and you are right like there's other avenues that i'm using for sales and the entertainment for it for social media should just be like the entertainment creative outlet for the business not necessarily so much pressure on getting sales because you're right it will just organically come through social media and things like that correct so if you look at your whatever scheduling or you know your productivity right now what's your general feeling if you're looking at, okay, I have to create content. Um, it would be the podcast. So I write about 15 minute, 20 minute episodes for Mondays. And then I do a Thursday episode with my friend out in cat or sorry, her name is cat in the UK. And it's, I get a lot of content from that. I love learning through those or I'll read a book and then I'll talk about it and then I'll make the content through what I'm learning and move forward with that. I found that the interviewer style and researcher style is working out for me for social media. Um, but I would say it's, it's a lot of learning and then I'll, I'll reflect or I'll put into what I just read or something like that. Got it. Okay. Which is perfect. I mean, you have a strategy, something that, that that's working for you. I think that that's a great thing. So if you now like kind of zoom out from that and you, you know, look at yourself right now. So is there anything else that you feel like might be like an inner pattern, like, or like, an, uh, like a limiting pattern that 
is bothering you right now? Um, I would definitely say letting responsibilities uh, out of my hands have been tough, which is so ironic because I want to get more content done and things like that. But I am like, no, I feel like I have to do it all like because it is coming from my head. But there's a lot of things that can be let go, like setting the lights and things like that. And even that I feel like I constantly have to be there like watching over everything even if it's not directly related to what I'm doing in the moment so is that really responsibility or is it control that's control I would say yeah okay because they are capable of doing it but like it's yes uh I would say that that is a problem that I'm working on I definitely know I have it it's just I don't know how to get rid of it (laughs) right off the bat like it's just like what are you doing? Oh, uh, can I see? Can I see it? Can I see it? Not to be nosy, but can I see? <laughs> Got it. So if you don't have control, then fill in the blank. I'm thinking about it. Um, It's on my mind, kind of wondering if it's going to be a good job because I know one of the things that I got was I can do it better um, off the assessment test and I was like you know what yeah I do think that a lot about some of the work or even design choices and designing wise right down to certain things like font it's just I'll be like I don't like that font I could put it I could pick a better font and then I end up just kind of taking what was there and doing the little tweaks on it but it takes I might as well have just done it myself sometimes when I do that so that's, let's just say, specific to the context, right? In this instance, like work output or setup. But if you do a, la- a layer up and just generally, so like you thinking about control in general. So if I don't have control, then fill in the blank. What's true for you in that statement? Yeah, anxiety. <laughs> if I don't have control, okay. I just am like, oh, I... Yes, I do see that a lot. Um, even just growing up and just how I was and yeah, learning to work with others. I definitely was one of those people that would just be like, please let me do the project by myself. <laughs> I'll do it better myself, even if it's more work. So that uh, bad habit has definitely followed me into adulthood. I see that now. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you okay to dive a bit deeper? Into yeah, that? absolutely. Okay. So if I don't have control, the immediate reactions, I feel anxiety, right? So there's like a fear of even exploring that idea. So, I think it's- Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I would say I have such a passion for my time. Like my time matters so much to me. I have such a, I don't know, I've associated wasting my time with things. So it's like, I don't like that. So if I control my time and I do something, and I make a mistake, then that's okay. But if I give it up and something happens and I get really ticked off, I'm like, oh, I could have done that or this or that. But yeah, controlling of my life, I guess I need okay. that. So you say, okay, I have a passion for my time. Like my time is really important to me. Yes. Yet a lot of your time is spent doing other people's work. <laughs> Yes, you're right. Oh, it's the vicious cycle. Right. I don't know. Yes, you're right. Okay, you're right. I definitely have to break that. So, and I only point that out because I think like words are important. Mm-hmm. And 
I have a passion for my time sounds extremely positive and uplifting and neutral. You know, it's like, mm. yeah, well, what's wrong with having passion for your time? Yet your actions and the feelings behind those actions are completely opposite. Like somebody yeah. has a passion for their time to make passion in the use of their time isn't going around fighting the minutia of what font you're going to use for something. Yeah, it's like the exact right. opposite of passion. It, it, it's actually then anxiousness, control, micromanaging, right? It's, it's like the exact opposite of what you would want a passionate use of time to be. And yeah, it, it's 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 then a mask that you wear that tricks your brain thinking, well, no, I just have passion for time. There's no issue here. Yet there's actually a major issue here. Mm -hmm. right? so that's the only reason why I, I point it out. So when you look at the anxiety with regards to the control, like what feels unsafe about letting go of control? Mm, what feels unsafe about letting go of control? Um, I feel like a few years ago, okay, so basically growing up and things like that, I feel like I didn't have very much control about anything. And finding control in my 20s and then taking it back I feel like when I there's got to be a connection between when I got my control back of my life and since then I have not been able to kind of let go a little bit um, I've just been kind of hanging on to it and I do see that yeah coming through in my business that it's yeah because I was proud of myself for regaining control but I see now that I've kind of gone too far down this spectrum and I need to come back to the middle <laughs> on some things. So beautiful awareness, right? Like I, I can see the, the connections and that absolutely makes sense. And right. It's like, so I, my fundamental life experience is one where the thing I lacked most was control, which generally means I lack some sort of stability, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I, I it was chaos, and again, if I'm wrong about any of this. No, um, yeah, it was just, it right. was constant movement at all times. Okay, constant movement, constant chaos, constant change, no real sense of stability. So all I wanted was control. The mm -hmm. one time that I was able to get away from that, because right, I think you, you started all this saying, like I had a lot of anger growing up and, you know, it was around 18 or whatever that you were able to get some autonomy back. Then, okay, finally... I'm the one that's responsible now get as much control as I possibly can because yeah. the opposite is so unsafe. Yeah, actually that's a very well way to say it. Yes. I agree with that statement. Okay. Perfect. So now when you zoom out, how is this creating problems in your business? Well, I can see the, contradiction and caring about my time for sure the irony of that and what I'm willing to waste on it in the name of like even the perfection of the needing things to be correct and things like that because it is this business is predominantly me of what I'm putting out there so I view it with such a critical eye so but they don't matter they don't matter they really don't matter and I don't know why I make them matter so much like it's one of those things to look over it but it's it's I guess better to put out something that's not perfect I think I heard a saying put out something that's not perfect rather than perfect things like that so 
that is affecting the, my ability to like not let go of control. I'm screwing up kind of in that element there. <laughs> Got it. So yeah, logically, I know you understand exactly what you need to do, but emotionally it's like anxiety inducing to actually do that thing. Yes, I think, uh, yes, that will be something that I would definitely have to work on because it does, it gives me, um, I guess I get worried, like, is it going to be done in time? Is it this, like, I I don't know. And if it's out of my control, I don't know when the deadline is. I don't know what it looks like. I don't want to get something back that I don't like. And then it gets restarted over. But most, like, I feel like those two now saying it out loud are mostly just overthinking in my own head like I can just kind of let it go a little bit and just see where it comes back to and then go from there yeah it's it's like a mask of the control mm -hmm. like overthinking and just it is another pattern on top of me needing to control things yes yeah yeah okay, okay. there you go <laughs> yes this was great it, it's like I've done this before so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so then if you look at um, okay, so I have this contradiction about my passion about my time. I have these perfectionism overthinking patterns. Okay, so that obviously has an impact on how I show up in my business. Take it one effect further. What's the actual consequence of that inside of your business? That I end up bottlenecking myself. Like, I, it's just I'm turning it on to myself because my inability to let things go to other people is why I have so much work in some ways. Okay. So I have too much work because I'm not willing to let go of it. So again, and I know I'm kind of anal asking the same question. No, but no, so no. What's the effect of that on your business? How does it actually translate into a consequence? Well, less content gets put out, less engagement, could be less sales, could be not getting the right person to see me at a specific thing. Um, yeah, that, that could actually do a lot of damage to my business because I it's a growth business. So if I'm not putting something out, I'm not growing it. Okay. So really, I am stretched thin doing things that are overkill that I don't need to be doing, that's translating into a much lower than necessary capacity to actually create growth in my business. Yes. Right. Less sales, less content, less visibility, less conversations with people that need to buy my stuff. Right. All of those things. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Perfect. So we started this conversation really talking about like the strategy of that. Right. It was like a reframe in regards to looking at, okay, well, what are like, what's the clarity around where I need to go with my like business decisions and like what sales and what's marketing and whatever. So if that's where your mind defaults to for solving all of these problems, are you actually solving symptoms or are you solving the root? Yes, I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not focused on what the actual problem is i feel like i'm just constantly putting out little fires that don't need to be there okay so putting out fires also if you think about how much mental real estate is taken up by mm. you know content numbers content output content strategy is that yes. really solving 
the root of the issue. Yeah. And it's just one more thing, like a few more things that I don't necessarily need to worry about, which is also taking energy away from more productive things that I could be doing. Correct. So it's like the general pattern here is like leaks in the bucket and, and hemorrhaging. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that like, it's yeah, I would say that now it's easy. like, it's not that it's easy. It's just, yeah, I have to look at it. The problem of what I'm causing in this business. <laughs> Perfect. So if you dive in deeper into that, so what are the things you've tried to do to solve the root of the issue? Uh, well, I think that I need to go and do a little bit of a deep dive for my control issues of kind of letting that go and how that comes to be. And I don't, there's going to be decisions and things in this business that I hope one day that, you know, I'm big enough that I can hire a team to take over and to do these type of things and to trust in the people that I'm choosing. I'm choosing these people to help me. So I should trust them more than I'm acting. And I do, I don't want to make it seem like I don't trust them. And I think that's why it hurts as well. Cause I do trust my team. I just want to like, yeah, I have to work on that and be like, Hey, I trust you. I trust that you have the best interest in heart for this business as well. I wouldn't have picked you if you weren't here, but just kind of letting that go and coming back into the middle of not always having to control everything all the time. Yeah. And I think that's again, another beautiful distinction between like, I intellectually understand I trust my team. I don't see any evidence that I don't need to trust their team. But this is subconsciously, mm. it's unsafe to let go, even if I intellectually trust. So you're always yeah. going to prioritize the emotional over the logical. Yes. Okay. I have to go into more of the emotion side. Yeah, I don't, I, letting go of control, I'm not sure what, like, I think it's because, yeah, I'm scared that if you were to let go of, yeah, if I, I consider this so much my baby, like this is my baby, this is mine, 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 that it's, it's, uh, it was back when I was trying to get it out of infancy stage, but now that it's grown into what it has now and I'm able to bring on people, yeah, I have to emotionally be okay and trusting of these people to basically not let me down. I think that's where it's coming from. If I let go of control and then I get let down, I think maybe emotionally that's where it's coming from because that's a big one for me. A hundred percent. And that's a very typical place that um, the control fear goes to because it's like you probably have very real evidence with regards to why that's a limiting belief. Right. Like mm. I'm saying, it's it's not born out of just random occurrences in your life. There's good reason for it. Um, what I just want to stress here is like the the tricky thing about control and trust is like similar to relationships. Like you you have to trust the other person, which automatically means there is risk involved in that. Mm. So there is a very real possibility that you can get hurt and screwed, but is that like is trying to manipulate your environment to buffer that risk worth what like lack of results you're experiencing right now the peace of mind you're not experiencing right now it is the distortion of that which is a safety mechanism like is that worth 
everything that you're experiencing right now? And put a different way, is it actually useful for you to go to the next level? Yeah, it's absolutely not useful at all. And it's also just not a good example of leadership, in my opinion, either. And that's something that I do want to work on more. And leaders, yeah, we good leaders pick a good team to put the trust in as well. And so if I want to build on being a better leader, I have to trust other leaders to be themselves to do their leadership work. And so, yeah, that's something as well that I'll work on. <laughs> Beautiful. So yeah, again, intellectually, like you know exactly what needs to be there. This is, as we've said before, this is about the subconscious oh, yeah. and emotional safety in doing what you intellectually know how to do, right? Mm. So in that, if you didn't have these control issues, who or what would you be? Yeah, I would be a better leader. I would... I would be more productive because things would be able to get back to me faster or, um, in a timely manner. And it would be real, more realistic of overall life. Like you're right. Things are going to happen and you might get screwed over, but it's not a reason to not be vulnerable out there. So it's just a vulnerability question I have to work on. It's funny because I do it's funny that my business is built around vulnerability, but I myself behind even in the workplace, I feel like it's difficult for me to show my vulnerability through work, work mode. Um, now saying this out loud, because it's easy to talk about. I can talk about my feelings and things like that. But yeah, I think with the business, I'm like, no, like be the one person, like everyone's looking at you, like you're in control of it, this and that. So yeah, I think my control with the business has, been a lack of vulnerability to even make mistakes even as a as a leader like you know some things happen and it's out of your control so yeah risk vulnerability there 100 percent. and i just want to like stress and point out it's not that you know i haven't overcome these things so we go into this judgment you know doom loop it's you certainly have made a lot of strides in this area, which is why you're able to be so aware of it. The point isn't to you know negate that. The point is to celebrate that it got you here. And here is another circumstance in your life where it's showing up and it becomes the limiter and the bottleneck to your growth. Mm. Right? So it's like, yeah. whereas you healed it in your personal life or your sexual expression, now it's showing up to be healed in the business expression. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I don't think I've ever really taken vulnerability over to a business side to be vulnerable to the team members that I'm working with, or even just to share that I'm stressed out about it. <laughs> to be like, okay, like I'm giving you this, like just letting you know I trust you, but of course I'm a little nervous. And also because it is fairly new um, to this whole thing in the recent years. So I'm learning as I go and that can be tiring as well. I feel um, sometimes it's exhausting, but you get back up and you do it the next day. So hundred <laughs> percent. So yeah, I mean, that, that those are all commendable things, right? So just to kind of close off this last bit, like what would you create without all of these control issues? Um, I would create uh, a flourishing business that can stretch further and scale faster because I'm 
not stretching myself thin and I can focus on what needs to be focused and leave these things that necessarily don't have the same weight to it to other people that are fully capable of doing it. And also registering that, yeah, I do have um, control and vulnerability weakness in the business. And I really do feel like that is a major area that I'll be working on. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful way to connect it all together, right? Because the bottleneck isn't the strategy. That's a mm -hmm. factor in you getting to the next level. But even if I gave you the best strategy right now, it would still be bottlenecked by these patterns, yep. right? So it goes back to that question of, are you trying to solve the symptoms or are you trying to solve the root? Mm, right? Yes. So anyway, I know that's kind of like we can dive deeper deep into that. And obviously, you know, eliminating and healing these patterns is, is beyond the scope of this conversation. But as far as mapping all this out, does this feel complete for you? Is there still something left outstanding? This was great. I actually feel like this was definitely an eye opener here and just saying it out loud to you about certain things puts it in perspective. And I'm going to definitely reflect on these things. And already I can kind of see some areas where I'm like, mm, okay, I'm doing that there. And I shouldn't be doing that there. And I'm going to rework this over here. So that's been beneficial. Beautiful. Love it. Well, in that case, why don't you just close us off and let everybody know where to find you? Who's the best person to find you? Floor is yours for that. Thank you. So yes, if you're listening and you want to check me out, please follow me on Instagram on the partition underscore life, where you can find my links to my podcast. And at the end of the month, I will have the BDSM and kink second edition basics ready to go. And thank you again for having me on the show. Uh, I definitely learned a lot about myself. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So it's a pleasure having you on. Uh, kudos to you for allowing yourself to be witnessed uh, in this way. And uh, for everybody else listening, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.